0: Fox Sports Sports Flash. With your sports update, I'm Sarah Walters. Serena's magical run at the U.S. Open and iconic career comes to an end tonight in the third round. Serena beat by Tom Janovic 7-3, 6-7, 6-1. The match took three hours, seven minutes, and Serena fought off five match points before finally succumbing to the Australian. The Yankees lead in the AL East cut to five games as they are blown out in the first of a three-game series, 9-0 in Tampa. Yankees only had five hits against five Tampa pitchers. Domingo Herman suffered the loss for the Bombers. Mets win 7-3 out at Citi Field against the Nationals. Escobar and Alonzo went deep and Peterson pitched five and a third in the win. Coming up next, it's Locked Up Sports on 365sportscast.com. He took a home run away from Roland, trying to get back to first for three. Bang! That one goes down and the game is tied! Bing-bong Anthony for three. Puts it in! Next by one with 8.2 remaining! Ball game over. Yankees win. The Yankees win! They kick the Giants to the Super Bowl. Snap is good. Kick on its way. And Giants to the Super Bowl. The Giants have won the Super Bowl. Can't wait. When it comes to talking sports, they're the authority. It's Bob Walters and Brett Grasso. It's Lock Up Sports, and it starts now. Bring them out, it- bring them out. Hey. Bring them out, bring them out. Bring them out, bring them out. Hey. Bring them out. Hey. Locked up sports live from the Brian Gunzel Studios. I'm Bob Walters. Thank you for joining us. Just got finished watching, which is one of the one of the better tennis matches that I have seen in a long, long time. Serena, of course, her iconic career has come to an end. She bows out in the third round after well, what a really good run, a really good run of two matches. Um, I thought she would win tonight. I did. I got to tell you, I, I thought that, that she would win tonight's game. Um, or match, I should say. And it was, it was a hell of a match. The crowd was alive. The crowd was going crazy. And you, you got to, I mean, give the, give the other girl credit. Give the Tom Janovich girl credit. She really kept it together. That was a tough spot. That's a tough spot for anybody playing Serena in, these, in this tournament. It was a tough spot for the two girls before her. It's a tough spot for this girl tonight. And give her all the credit in the world. She came back. Serena should have won that match. I mean, let's be real. Serena should have won the match. She should have won that first set. She was up 5-3. to And she lost four straight service games. So, So Serena, I mean, really has nobody to blame but herself tonight. But, you know, it's not about tonight's match. It's about the career of Serena. And and to be honest with you, the cla- one of the classiest things that the girl did after winning was she didn't celebrate at all. She didn't celebrate one bit. She didn't throw her hands up. This is the biggest win in that girl's career. This is one of the biggest wins she might ever have if she doesn't go on to win, you know, majors or something like that. Now she she seems like a hell of a player, but she was she was a you know. She was a qualifier last week in Cincinnati. She came back. She won won the tournament, and now she's going on to the fourth round at the U.S. Open. So give her credit. With Serena, I mean, listen, she hasn't played. She hasn't played much in the last, you know, I probably five years. She hasn't played much. She's been out a full year. She came back, played what like three, four matches before this. Um, I did think it was going to be a little bit deeper of a run, especially after watching the the first two matches. But tonight she was she was beat tonight. I mean, she kind of gave away the first set, but Serena played well. She fought to the end. That last game, where there was about nine deuces, Serena fought off five match points. You know, if she could have somehow somehow managed to win that game, that last game, who knows? But she was down a double break. So I, I you know, I, I don't know. But Serena's career, she falls just short of Margaret Court, it's 24 Grand Slam wins. She gets finishes with 23, which is one of the all-time. I mean, listen, these play it's it was a lot tougher when Serena was going through these things than it was when Margaret Court was going through them. But she does not get the record and it's kind of a a little bit of a parallel to Tiger. In his career, he's you know, everybody thought that Tiger would no problem passing Jack. He'd have no problem. But he, he don't. It's those last ones that'll get you. He faded out at the end. Tiger, it was injuries. It was the back problems. With Serena, too, it was injuries. She had the hamstring that kept her out a year. You know, you, you, you can't. When you 10 years ago, Serena could do this. Or seven years ago, Serena could do this. She could not play for a couple months and just show up for the majors and she'd roll right through it. She'd roll right through it without losing a set. But now, now she's older. She's 40 years old. She can't do that anymore. And she knew that. I think this was even further than she thought she would be when it first started. So she rolled through. She beat. She won two good matches. It was exciting. Tonight was exciting. Um, I didn't even watch much of the, the Mets and Yankees game, which we'll get to. And the Yankees are in trouble. The Yankees are in trouble. But we'll get to that in, in just a minute. I got plenty to say about that. I mean, that was that was a disaster tonight. But um, we got a lot to do tonight so Serena Williams iconic career, one of the all-time careers in any sport comes to an end. She lost with her sister Venus yesterday in doubles and she lost today to Tom Janovic the Australian. There was a lot of breaks in in, in but both both players couldn't hold serve either either of them. Serena had trouble with her serve tonight. But give, as we said, give Tom Janovich credit. She marches on to the fourth round as now uh, the drama of the Serena Open is kind of in the in the rearview mirror now as we get that out of the way. And Now it's just going to be about the tennis. Can Swyacek win it on the women's side? The women's side is always wide open. Women's tennis is always wide open. I mean, except for the years where Serena was basically, you know, rolling through everybody. They couldn't lose. On the other women's matches today, you had uh, Kogo Goff advancing. She beat Madison Keys in straight sets. Nadal last night wins, so he advances. Curios, um, Curios is always... Uh, he, listen, Curios is... As we had Frank say last week, he's the best. He, he said he's the best thing for, for tennis right now. Well, he had a display the other night that was... I mean, it was even crazy for Kyrgios. I guess he was upset that his box, which includes his coach, his family, and his new girlfriend, the new girlfriend that a lot of people are giving credit for calming him down and getting him back on the right path. I guess he was upset because they weren't cheering loud enough for him. And after one of the games, which he lost, he spit on the court in their direction and started throwing F-bombs from from his seat in between games about them cheering louder, and if they're not going to cheer louder, they should go home. Listen, Kyrgios is a nutcase. He's a nutcase. He needs therapy. He's a good tennis player. He's as good as anyone on the tour besides, you know, maybe Djokovic at this point. What is he worried about whether his box is cheering or not? And he always does. he always talks to his box, but I you know you always kind of assume that it's him talking to his box, but talking to himself through that. You know, he just he's off the rails. He's had domestic uh, abuse issues in the past, and if if I was his box right there in that situation, I would have left. I would have left. So we got um, just a quick rundown now of tonight's show. As we got through the U.S. Open there, Serena, Serena out, a brilliant career, is she the best ever? Probably. I did my top 10 list for everybody who uh, subscribes to the newsletter, I did the top 10 list last week as the bonus content, Serena was number one, Steffi Graf was number two, Steffi Graf is closer than people think, at least in my mind she is, and then there's a big gap between the rest of them, but Serena, she deserves to be called the, the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And she hasn't really been, you know, connected the last five years or so. She, she, she's her mind has been elsewhere. She likes to do the fashion, the family thing, which is that's her business. And she used to be good enough to show up to these majors and just win. But, you know, nobody beats father time. Nobody beats time. Time is undefeated. And it gets to Serena, and she is done. So, and speaking of done, the Yankees, the Yankees people are in big trouble. This is the first time I'm saying it. I've been saying the whole time, don't worry, they're going to win the division. They're going to win the division. You know what? I don't know anymore. Yankees go out to Tampa. A big game tonight and they lose 9 nothing. 9 nothing. This team has fallen apart. It looked like they got it back on the rails when they beat the Mets with two, two wins at Yankee Stadium. And then they won another couple uh another couple games after that. But then they went on this West Coast trip. And you know, if you're the Yankees, you can't be losing series to teams like the Angels. And the A's. These are bad baseball teams. And the Yankees have been a bad baseball team now for two months. The Yankees have played under 500 baseball more than they played over 500 baseball, which is this season. Which is hard to believe. They got out to such a good start. A historically good start. And if they didn't, right now they'd be in second place looking up at the... the, Tampa Bay Bucks. The lead in the division is now five games. They got two games left in this series. They're going to come limping home. And the schedule doesn't get any easier for the Yankees. For the Mets, it's easy. The Mets got a lead. They, you know, they, Their schedule is cupcakes. They got Washington and Pittsburgh and teams like that and Oakland. The Yankees does not get easier. They got the Red Sox still. They got the Orioles still. The Yankees are in trouble. Five games up. They lose 9 nothing. They were listless tonight. They couldn't get anything going. They were sloppy in the field. The pitching was bad. Nobody could get a hit. It's time to panic, Yankee fans. It's time to panic. I've been saying, I've been giving the Yankees credit, said they're, they're not going to blow this. There's no way they would blow this. I said they had a, a historic collapse in the month of August, and that it would take another historic collapse in the month of September. Well, they're well on their way. They are well on their way to doing just that, which is almost the impossible, blowing this, this lead. It's now five games. It hasn't been five games. It hasn't been this close in the division in, since May. Nobody's been this close to the Yankees since May and Tampa's playing well. And I listen, if Tampa could ever get ahead of this of the Yankees, I don't think the Yankees go I you know, this team has no they have no guts this see this Yankee team. The fans don't like the team. Let's be real, the fans don't like the manager. They got a problem with all kinds of stuff going on with this team. Stanton you know, he knows shows. He we, He's come back from this injury, and he's been, you know, terrible. Besides Judge, who's going to win the MVP, this is not a very likable Yankees team. They hate the general manager. The fans hate the general manager at this point. You go ask them, they got all They'll sit. You, you can sit down. They'll sit you down for an hour and tell you the problems they have with the general manager. They'll sit you down for two hours and tell you the problems they have with the manager. So a team that looked destined... To possibly win 110 games 115 the 98 Yankees they were told they were compared to well they just lost f- nine nothing in the biggest game that they've had in the, all season and their lead is now five games over the Tampa Bay Rays they got five hits they committed three errors they were throwing the ball all over the infield. And they gave up eight runs. The bullpen is garbage. The bullpen is not... I mean, they've been trying to do closer by committee. And that that's worked somewhat. But getting to the closer... They have not been very good. Three errors. Is that a team that you compare to the 98 Yankees? No, it's a team that collapses. A historic collapse. And I'll tell you what. If this team doesn't win the division... And they somehow go out in that first round. Heads are going to roll in that organization. I think it's a guarantee that Boone would be gone. I think it's a good possibility that Cashman would be gone. So we'll see. There's still time. There's still time. They still have a five-game lead. So there is there is that. They still do have a five-game lead. They can right the ship. Winning these next two day, these next two games, is going to be very important. Very important for the Yankees. Do I see them doing it? Probably not. They probably will. I mean, what makes you think that they would win these next two games? You know, tomorrow you got Schmidt going for the Yankees. He's five and three. He's under two, under three ERA. He's pitched all right. But you got Corey Kluber pitching for the for Tampa. He's not had a great year. He's 9-7. But you know what? Tampa doesn't do it with a starting pitcher like that. Tampa does it like they did tonight with eight pitchers. Where they kind of mix and match the whole thing together. They put it together. They they figure it out as they go. They did the same thing with, Jay, with uh, Madden as the manager. They kind of figure it out and it just kind of works. Tampa, I mean, that's a garbage ballpark. You're going to let this team... Every year it happens. Tampa's there every year. Yankees haven't had a parade since 2009. They haven't had a parade since 2009. And you know the Yankee fans; they they think they deserve one every year. It does not look like they will get one again this year. But like I said, this time it's only September third to make up this five game this five game gap. And the Rays' schedule is easier than the Yankees. The Yankees were supposed to fatten up this lead in the last two weeks against teams like the A's and the Angels. Come into this Tampa series up eight, nine games, where if you lost two out of three, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Now, they have a chance. They could get swept. And this lead could be three games. And by the time we talk to you on Friday, there could be a new leader in the AL East. And that is not out of the question. It's probably unlikely, but is it out of the question? I don't think so. Now on the other side, the Mets, they had a big series against the Dodgers. Dodgers come into town, middle of the week, three games, city field. And the Mets take two of them. They beat Kershaw yesterday afternoon. The night before, you had Brandon Nimmo making the biggest catch of his career, going up over the wall of Rob Turner, Justin Turner, of a home run. And how much better did the field when it was Justin Turner? I mean, I like Justin Turner, but man, I'm sick of seeing Justin Turner. That one's going to haunt Mets fans for a long time. Our utility infielder, pinch hitter, that went on to multiple World Series, great career, big time postseason player so it felt good watching Nimo bring a home run back over the wall and then cement a Jacob DeGrom win because again the Mets didn't score many runs the guy was at the game it was a it was a wild scene it was a playoff like atmosphere it's really feeling like a Mets a Mets year here in the city it really is The buzz is all around the Mets. They got the pitching. They got the team. They got the manager. And I'm sure people are killing me for saying this because, you know, it pretty much puts a hex on the Mets, but it feels like a Mets year. Everything seems to be going right for this team. Now, listen, I think the Dodgers are still a better team. Just have an 18 game lead in their division. They didn't exactly have a ton to play for in this series. It was bigger for the Mets. You know, it was there in they're in a pennant race, so it was bigger. Ga- it was bigger games for the Mets. The Dodgers have a magic number of like ten as we are in the first couple days of September. The Mets have a three game lead right now. So the Mets are independent race. The Braves are tooth and nail every night, keeping pace with the Mets. It's frustrating. It's frustrating when the Braves just keep winning. But that was basically it for the Mets as far as you know tough games go. They got through the they got through the the Dodgers. They took two or three. He ended up on second. I mean, listen, Nimo. Nimmo and Marte are the two MVPs for this Mets team. Marte gets big hit after big hit after big hit. And Nimmo has made great plays in the in the field. He has turned into one of the better center fielders in the National League. And it and, it, and it's hard work and he hustles. That's why everybody loves Nimmo. You got to love Nimmo. He sprints out walks That pop-up that fell in short right center yesterday in the eighth inning, he was on second base. You could probably count on one hand the amount of major league players that would be on second base after that pop-up. Because most of them would probably only be halfway to first when the thing hit the ground. There are some that probably would have got thrown out at first. Nimmo was standing on second base because he hustles. Nimmo's an old-time ball player. And Starling Marte, Stalling Marte just gets big hits all over the place. He has been huge for this team. He's been playing with a bit of a hamstring issue the last week or two. But he has come up big every time this team has asked him to. And he is, and the pitching, with the pitch, starting pitching, I mean, DeGrom is just unbelievable. It's just routine now that he gives up a run in eight innings or seven innings, strikes out 10, strikes out 12. When DeGrom's at his best, nobody in history has ever been as good. I don't even think Sandy Koufax kind of had years like this. He had years like this. But he had two or three. DeGrom's now done it for three, three or four years. Like this. Like top, top level. History top level stuff. DeGrom has done it for a while. I think he's headed to Cooperstown. I know the injuries. I know the longevity. He hasn't pitched... Listen, nobody's ever seen anything like this. And then Edwin Diaz coming in. I mean, he's having a year that Mariano would be jealous of. Before he gave up a run yesterday afternoon, he went 34 straight appearances. And he gave up one run. One run. Tuesday night, I was out at the park. Like I said, they had Timmy Trumpets out there playing. Which is, I, I listen... I like the entrance thing I like the song it's good the place rocks but do we really need Timmy Trumpets there playing it live the song's five years old never touched the charts now it's number one because of Diaz can you imagine Diaz blew that game on Tuesday night imagine he blew the DeGrom game with Timmy Trumpets there Timmy Trumpets would've been able to walk out he would've needed security just to walk him out of the ballpark Let's not mess with it. If it's not broken, don't mess with it. And the Mets of all teams should know, should should realize that. Don't mess with this, all right? Don't bring Timmy Trumpets in and any. Oh I my mean, God, that's all I can think of. What if he has blew this thing when Timmy Trumpets is here? It's not like he's a big Mets fan. He's never seen a baseball game before Monday night. I think it was. And then he went you know, now he says he's the biggest yell. You know. And one of the funnier things, actually, let me take that back about Timmy Trump. I got nothing against Timmy Trumpets. in fact, I respect him even more after reading the story today that Timmy Trumpets and the guy who wrote the song that Diaz comes out to, because as you know, I was complaining two weeks ago that the Braves were trolling the Mets and trolling Diaz by having... Two of their guys or three of their guys use the, the song, same song that Diaz comes out to, as their walk-up song for when they hit. So, lifetime Mets fan, Timmy Trumpets, and the writer of the song, I'm not sure who it is, put a stop to that. They have it copyrighted. They said no. That is the Edwin Diaz official song. They can no longer use it. Didn't affect the Braves. They kept winning. They beat the Marlins tonight, 8-1. to Still three games behind the Mets. Right on their tails. Right on their tails. I just hope, you know, listen, the Mets got an easy schedule. Easier than the Braves. They got the Marlins a couple times. You see what the Braves are doing to the Marlins. Like I said, 8-1 tonight. That's what you got to do. Mets got to have 25, you know, 22 and 10 or something like that this month. That's what it should be. And if they do that, I think they'll be okay and they'll win this division. You can't have a stumble where you lose four out of five or five out of seven because the Braves aren't going to do that. And you want this thing to be over before that last weekend in Atlanta. And every Mets fan should feel the same way. We want this thing over before we go to Atlanta because we've all seen it happen before. We've all seen it. We saw Tommy Glavin have his worst one of his worst starts in his career. A first ballot Hall of Famer. Gave up seven runs in the first inning. Game over. Shea Stadium closed. So I don't even trust DeGrom. I don't trust Scherzer. I don't trust any of them if this thing comes down to that last series because it's the Mets and because that's what we know. I would be, you know, listen to you, and I'd have a right to be nervous if that thing, if this division came down to those three games, if it was for some reason tied well, the Mets had a one-game lead going into that that series. I don't want it to be. I want it to be over. I want them to clinch before they even get down there. But if anything, at least have a two-game lead. You know, feast on these bad teams now. You got a couple. You got a couple weeks. They're eleven and three now against Washington. They got two more games against them. You know that. That's what, That's how it's got to be you got to feast on these bad teams and they'll be okay. they got a three-game lead. The Mets are a good ball club. Like I said, it feels like a Mets city this year. It does. And the football teams aren't going to be much better. Can't count on them. There's a better chance that the Mets are still playing when the Jets and Giants season is over already. You know, in football, usually you want to get to December. Let's play... Meaningful games in December. These two teams, as most teams will say I want to play meaningful games in December. The Jets and the Giants, let's just make it to Halloween. Let's make it to ho- make it to when the leaves start to change and still be playing meaningful games. They cut the rosters down to fifty three This week, so we got our we got our rosters, our team. For those of you that care, Jack Cohn, Saval graduate, cut. People were calling him Mr. Clutch because he had some drive in a, in a preseason game. A game they lost, by the way. I mean, everybody's like, oh, if you give him another chance, if he just gets another chance, he'll be good. Jack Cohen will be good. Listen, just appreciate what he did. He's an average to slightly above average college quarterback. He's not an NFL quarterback. It is what it is. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's not a knock on somebody when I say they're not an NFL quarterback. Jack Cohn is not an NFL quarterback. He doesn't look off receivers well. He doesn't have a, a great arm. He doesn't have a good arm. He doesn't throw a good deep ball. Cornerbacks jump the routes when he throws outside the numbers. It is what it is. He got cut. So I just wanted to say that. But listen, you know, it's not like we're much better here. With the quarterback situation with the Giants or the Jets, the Jets open up next week, Sunday, one o'clock, MetLife Stadium against the Baltimore Ravens. They made some roster moves this week, like I said, cutting the cutting the uh, the rosters down to fifty-three. They restructured they restructured CJ Mosley's contract. Gives them a little more cap space. I think gives them like, I think what they did was they took 14 million in salary, made it a signing bonus, that freed up 11 million in cap space. It like it's not that big of a deal. Um, they released Jason Pinnock. He was picked up by the Giants like two hours later. So that's where we're at with that. The Giants are picking up the Jets' scrap heaps. The Jets are throwing it in the garbage, and the Giants are you know walking past it, see it on the curb, and pick it up. They tried to spin that as a good thing. I mean, listen, I mean, (laughs) the Giants are garbage shopping with the Jets. So that's why we need the Mets, because it doesn't look like the Yankees are going to do anything. But as far as the Jets go next week, they still haven't ruled out Wilson. Listen, he's not playing. He's not playing in the first two weeks, I don't think. They say he's ahead of schedule with the knee. They are not going to risk it. They are not going to risk it with him. He is the, he is their future. They are not going to put him out there until he's 100%, until he has a full week of practice. So if he's ready to go, say, Wednesday of the following week, you're going to see Joe Flacco in week two then. Because the Jets are not going to risk their future, putting him out there if he's not... Fully ready, fully healed, and has a full week of practice under his belt. Now, Joe Flacco is a capable capable quarterback. He's a Super Bowl winner. You know, did he win the Super Bowl? No, the Ravens, I mean, yes, technically he did, but the Ravens' defense won the Super Bowl. But Joe Flacco is more than capable. He's not going to lose the game for you. He's not going to win the game for you, but he's not going to lose the game for you. The Jets draft picks have played well. In the preseason. The first round, the cornerback didn't get thrown at once, which is a good thing. You know, it, it, it shows that his receivers weren't open. He didn't even get thrown at. But it's also, you know, it's a different it's a different speed. Preseason football is terrible, one, because it's not the same speed and it's all vanilla. The, the offense is vanilla. The defense is vanilla. There's very very few blitz schemes that are even close to complex you get to week one it's a different story the speed picks up they game plan against you the Ravens are a good team they should beat the Jets but you know what the Jets need to go out and win these games the Jets need to go out and win some games win some games you're not supposed to win it's about time. I mean, the the Jets fans are sick of hearing next year, next year. We're rebuilding. We're two years away. They've been two years away for the last 50 years. So you're going to have to win a couple of these games. you got the Ravens coming in at home week one, win the game. Joe Flacco can go out there and win. Don't, he's not going to lose the game. Joe Flacco is not what you should be worried about. The quarterback position is not what you should be worried about. Joe Flacco will be okay. He will manage the game. He won't turn it over. The Jets need to make a couple plays on defense. When you're an underdog in the NFL and football, you need to make a special teams play. And go out and win the game. No excuses for the Jets. Yeah, they're not supposed to win this game. Yeah, they're, they're, they're going to be underdogs. They'll probably be a six and a half point underdog. Win the game. Because it doesn't get any easier. Week two, you're in Cleveland. Their quarterback is going to be okay. The Browns have a tough defense, and I think you're going to have Joe Flacco again. Joe Flacco is going to have a tough time against that that Browns defense in week two. And if it's Zach Wilson for whatever reason, he's going to have an even tougher time. He only played in what one or two games? One what was it the second game? He got hurt, so he's played in like you know he's had like ten snaps, fifteen snaps, and he's going to go into Cleveland. Into the dog pound. Because that Cleveland team is going to be okay. I think they could win. Even with the suspension of 12 games. I think they could win. And then you're home to the Bengals in week three. Good luck. I don't think the Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. But I, I think... You know. They're a better team than the Jets. And then you go to Pittsburgh week four Jets need to win one of these first two games and I don't think they're going to beat the Browns so the Jets need to go in the Jets need to show up week one at home, MetLife Stadium, full house and beat the Ravens it's not impossible the Ravens are not the the 85 Bears or the Patriots of years past just go in there and win a game The Jets have the... These are the first five games for the Jets. Ravens home. Browns on the road. Bengals home. In Pittsburgh, which they never win. I mean, how many times... The Jets have beaten Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh one time. In their entire existence. The Jets have gone into Pittsburgh and beat the Steelers one time in their entire existence. So you think it's going to happen this year again? Is this going to be number two? Maybe. Probably not. Don't bet on it. And then they got the Dolphins at home. The Dolphins is a winnable game. But you can't be 0 4 going into the Dolphins game. MetLife is going to be, they're going to be all over the Jets if they're 0 4 going into that game. And if you lose to the Ravens and then the Browns, there's a good possibility 0 4. You can be staring down 0 4 going into week 5, and there you go. The season's over before Halloween. And the Mets are still playing. I mean, that's a good question. Who's, who's season is gonna? Who's gonna be playing relevant games later? The Mets or the the Mets, the Yankees, the Jets, or the Giants? Because the Giants are not much better. In fact, I think the Giants are worse. Vegas has them at seven and a half. They have the Jets at five and a half. And I think the only reason that the Giants are at that number, which is more than the Jets, is because. The division is not very good. If I'm picking the the winner in the NLE NL, the NFC East, I'm picking the Eagles. I think Dallas is going to fall off a bit, but I'd pick the Eagles. And then it's a big gap between you know the Redskins and the Giants. You know we, who gets third, who gets last? I don't know. Daniel Jones. Starts Sunday 425 kickoff in Tennessee. That's not going to be that's not going to be very pretty. I think the biggest giant news this week was that the Manning cast is back Monday nights. Eli and Peyton they made an announcement on Twitter, I believe it was yesterday. Three simple words. We are back. I wish he would come back for another season. But he's not, so we're stuck with Daniel Jones. I would, st- I would, I mean, listen, I guess you could start Daniel Jones. I would have a quick hook. I think Tyrod Taylor is, is capable. Tyrod Taylor has shown that he's capable in this league of at least being a, a you know a serviceable quarterback. Daniel Jones has not, but the Giants do have a relatively easy schedule, so they could get they could make it to Halloween. The Giants have a better chance of making it to Halloween maybe than the Jets. The Giants open up against Tennessee. Okay, that's not going to be easy, but then they got the Panthers at home. That's a more than winnable game. The Cowboys at home after that you know Giants Cowboys maybe you get lucky then that I don't I wouldn't count that as a win but then they got the bears at home so Giants if they're opening up on the road in Tennessee they'll play three straight home games against the Carolina Dallas Chicago and two of the three are very winnable games they should be better than the bears and they should be better than the panthers what does that say for the, for the the Panthers and the Bears? Well, they're bad teams. So, they're, you know, winnable games. The Giants could very easily, because after that, they got the Packers in Lambeau, which, no way. That's not happening. So, the Giants have a shot at opening up two and three. You're two and three. Heading into October, you know, you're Okay. You're 2-3 heading into the second week of October. You have a good chance of making it to Halloween. And that's what the football has come down to. I mean, the Giants, the offensive line should be improved. It can't really get much worse than it's been. The coaching should be competent at least this year. Right? I mean, the coaching hasn't been competent in, in a while since, basically since Coughlin left. The Giants were ranked 13th in the NFC in a poll taken by NFL executives. I guess they, they, they polled the NFL executives, had them rank the teams. The Giants finished 13th out of 16 teams in the NFC. The Seahawks ranked lower. The Bears ranked lower. The Falcons ranked lower. So the Giants, are, you know, they're bottom feeders this year. This is probably not going to be a good year. But you could, might be able to, and I think my worst fear is them, you know, somehow scratching and clawing to eight or nine wins and then being like, well, you know what, maybe we got some with Daniel Jones. Because they don't. He's not the answer. And I've said it before. i said it a million times. Daniel Jones isn't the answer. The Giants are probably two, three years away. I mean, listen to what I said. Here's the good points about the Giants in the offseason. The offensive line should be better. It couldn't have gotten worse. And their coaching should be competent this year. That's it. Other than that, I don't see any real bright spots. I mean, is Tony going to be, you know, he'll be all right. I, I, but, you know, you need a quarterback. And even if the offensive line isn't very good, it's gonna be better, that doesn't mean it's gonna be good. Daniel Jones, you gotta you gotta figure it out. He's supposed to be a mobile quarterback. He's supposed to be somebody who can run with the ball. He doesn't show any can run with the ball. I mean he runs, you know, he's he's not a runner. And he's clumsy. And he turns the ball over, he's careless with the ball, he turns it over, he fumbles the ball. The running back needed to be Barry Sanders. And he's and he's not. He needed to be Barry Sanders to make that pick justified. And he's not even close. He had a, he's a good running. He's a good player. But by the time the Giants are good, he's going to be old. Running backs get old very quick in this league. Running backs will get old. You know, the average NFL running back is like a two and a half year career. So we'll see. Tennessee four twenty five in Tennessee. Somehow I don't think Tennessee, the Titans are going to need the, another Music City Miracle to win that game. But that's where we are. The Manning cast is back, for those of you who care. The Yankees in free fall. Five games up on the Rays after an embarrassing 9 nothing loss tonight. Serena is out, career over, after she lost. The Mets, the Mets keep rolling along, but so do the Braves. As the Mets are now only three up still. They can't pick up games. The Mets win 9 out of 10 or like 8 out of 10. And they lose a game in the standings to the Braves. It's amazing. It's amazing that the Mets still have a lead in this division. But it's not going to be easy. It's not supposed to be easy to knock off the champs. And the Braves are the defending champs. So now we still have... Let's see, we still got about 12 minutes left. I wanted to get... I want to get to the college football with the playoffs and everything and and talk a little bit about that. But let's first do the Knicks. Because as bad as the Giants and Jets and Yankees are, the Knicks have them all beat in the category for worst. Well, the Knicks have been doing it for a while, right? The The Knicks have been the worst for a while. You know, this is new to the Giants. It's, not, it's starting not to get the new, because the Giants have been bad for a while. It's new to the Yankees. The Yankees were winning two months ago. The Knicks? Well, it's been 20 years for the Knicks. And who was going to be the savior? Donovan Mitchell. Going to get Donovan Mitchell. Well, when they wanted to get Donovan Mitchell, the price was way too high. I think they did the right thing by not getting Donovan Mitchell. Even though it's funny that they didn't get him. So the Knicks, Donovan Mitchell traded to the Cavs. They they, um, they signed R.J. Barrett to an extension, which is the right move. It's a good move. You still need another player. You still need another superstar. I do think R.J. Barrett's going to be a star. Is he a superstar? I don't know. But he's gotten better and he's a good player. And you want to have R.J. Barrett on this team. He's homegrown. Somebody you drafted. The Knicks still could possibly make a trade. Cam Reddish put something out there. There's rumors that Cam Reddish, you know, the, the, I believe the words were, interested in a change, change of scenery. Which is basically like, get me the hell out of here. In a nice way. So they could trade Cam Reddish. Um, You know, what are they going to do with with Fournier? Because Fournier was all, you know, he was expected to be in the trade for Mitchell. So now you got Fournier stuck here. And he was basically, his bags were packed. He was at the airport waiting for the, the, just tell me where to buy the ticket to. And then all of a sudden, bam, Mitchell signs with Cleveland. So now you got Evan Fournier. Because the Knicks have made it clear That they don't want Fournier. That they would rather have Quentin Grimes as the shooting guard on this team. Knicks have made that loud and clear. So Fournier is kind of a man, you know. It's kind of awkward now. And then, of course, there's Julius Randle. What the hell are you going to do with him? You got to trade him. I mean, I don't know what the Knicks are going to do with Julius Randle, to be honest with you. They gave him that extension. I mean, he played a (laughs) He played one good season in a bunch of empty arenas and the Knicks gave him a blank check and they basically handcuffed themselves to Julius Randle. And then the next year he stinks. It's classic. It's classic Knicks. Classic Knicks. If anybody wants to know how to be bad, if you want to know how to be bad, look at the Knicks. And now they can't catch a break. Now, like, like I said, I did think Danny Ainge was asking too much. I think in the beginning, if they would have made the deal right off the bat, because Mitchell wanted to be here, he wanted to come here, his father, the whole the whole nine. He wasn't even trying to hide that. He wanted to be a Nick. I think if the Knicks weren't, you know, jerking around and they would've made the deal and got serious about it instead of dancing, you know, trying to get a perfect deal, they probably could have made something happen but they didn't make anything happen and they waited too long and in the end I think they did the right thing by not you know, succumbing to the deal and trading away everything they can just to, to get one player so I mean even when in the end when the Knicks do the right thing they're still a worst basketball team for it and that's the Knicks that's been the Knicks for the past 20 years they can't do anything right so, as bad as things have gone for the Yankees lately, and as bad as things have gone for the Giants and the Jets, as always, nobody beats the Knicks when it comes to just bad news. Bad luck, bad news, bad everything for the Knicks. Now, we're almost out of time here. I did, ha- did want to run through the college football, which gets going this weekend, week one, last week, as we explained to you, Week zero. Which is ridiculous. Everything in college football is ridiculous. I agree with the paying the players and everything. But even that. Even that they did wrong. Paying the players. The conferences moving around. You basically were heading on a one way track. Towards two super conferences. It was going to be the SEC and the Big Ten. We're going to be just two super conferences. And then earlier this morning. They agreed on, it took them an hour and a half, it took, uh, you know, the the conference heads an hour and a half to come up with something that people were asking for for 50 years. A college football playoff, a 12-team college football playoff. Now, they came up with the playoff years ago, I get that, but it was a, it was a you know, it was a flawed system. This one is a little bit better. Did they do it to better the game? No, of course not. Of course not. They did it because money, to line their pockets, because they saw that it was slipping away. Conferences like the ACC, the Big 12, they saw that it was all slipping away. They were going to just dissolve into nothing. So what did they do? They got together, put together a 12-team playoff. They voted unanimously to approve it, and it was all done within an hour. 50 years they've been trying to get this done, and it was done in an hour because why? Because they were taking their money away. And their power. So here it is. It's going to be a 12-team playoff. It's scheduled right now to start in 2026. But it looks like what they're going to do is they're going to get it going by next year. They're going to meet next week, the 10 uh, commissioners of the conferences and Notre Dame. Because Notre Dame, of course, still sitting out there with their NBC money. It's all about money. It's all about money in college football. Always has been, always will be. It's all about money and everything, but it's all about money in college football. So what you're going to have is you're going to have the six conference champions, the six highest ranked college uh, conference champions will be, and you're going to have six at-large bids. So there's still going to be an issue, but that's fine. That's fine. There's going to have to be some at-large bids. There's going to have to be somebody bitching and moaning that they didn't get in, that they should have got this seed or that seed. So it's going to be 12 teams, six conference champions, Six at-large bids. The way they rank the teams is pretty much going to stay unchanged. That's going to be exactly the way it is. The four highest-ranked conference champions out of the six. Seeds one through four are going to get a bye in the first round. Seeds five through 12, which will be two conference champions, the two lowest-ranked conference champions, and the six at-large bids. They're going to play a playoff game against each other. It's either going to be the second or third week of December they're looking at. So these kids aren't going to get to go home. If your team advances, you know, you're not going to get to go home for your Thanksgiving break. That was always a big problem. I guess now, well, because they were losing money and they were going to lose power. You know, screw the kids. We don't care. Keep them here. They don't need to go home. They don't want to go home anyway. So they'll play. Seeds 5 through 12 will play. A playoff game against each other, you know, five will play 12, you know, so on. The second or third week of December. Then the quarterfinals and the semifinals, those are going to be ball games, which, you know, who cares? The ball games now are completely irrelevant if they weren't already. I'm not someone who cared about ball games. If it, it did, to me, it was just an exhibition. So the quarterfinals and the semifinals are going to be ball games. And then what they're going to do is they'll have the same thing they do now, the, a neutral site championship game, national championship game. And it, it should be about the same time. It might be a week pushback instead of the first week. You know, On January 6th, it'll be the, the week following, January 13th or 14th, something like that. And what this does, like I said, it keeps the ACC, the Pac-12, it keeps them relevant. You know, you had USC, UCLA. Going to the Big Ten, you know, as ridiculous as that is, the Big Ten's a Midwest conference. But they were leaving; they were chasing the money. So what this does is it keeps the other conferences relevant. They'll be able to pull in other schools from these smaller conferences. Now it's going to give you games. It's going to give you, you know, there's going to be a couple games that are not very good in those that first week of playoffs. You know, if you get you know, the the second place, either Georgia or Alabama in the SEC, they don't get a bye, let's say. They could be playing some school that they're going to blow out 48 nothing. So you might get that, but it is what it is. So it's a 12-team playoff. Six conference champions, six at-large bids. The first top four seeds, the top four conference champion seeds will get a bye, and away we go. Now, as far as this weekend goes in football, there's not a ton of there's not a ton of good games. There's just not. There never is in the first week. Almost half of the games involve schools, FBS schools against Division One A schools, is what I I always call them. They're now FCS or whatever it is, but I, they look the Division One A schools. So you're gonna get you know there's usually a handful of two or three marquee games. There's not even really that, to be honest with you, because the biggest game this week is going to be Notre Dame going to the horseshoe, playing Ohio State. Sounds like a good game until you see that Ohio State's a 17-point favorite. Notre Dame's got a new coach. Notre Dame's got a new quarterback. We told you about the Notre Dame quarterback from last year. Cut by the Colts this week. Sable's own Jack Cohn. But now they got Travis Buchan, a sophomore, making his making his debut as as the, as the you know Irish starting quarterback. Yeah, Brian Kelly, who in the middle of the night just packed up and split split town, went to LSU. Notre Dame is not not going to be a great team this year. I don't think. I think they'll be okay. I don't think they'll challenge for a, a, a championship. I think if we were a couple of years down the road, they might be struggling to get one of those six at large bids, but we're not. So they'll, you know, they bring back a decent amount of players, but they're, they're not going to be great. And I, I don't expect them to win. I don't expect them to even keep it very close tomorrow night. The only chance Notre Dame really has is if their quarterback has a big game. You know, you got the Ohio, the Ohio State secondary is not their best. They were ranked 96 last year. They bring back mostly the whole unit. They do have a new defensive coordinator. He's going to bring some competency to that unit. They'll probably be better. Notre Dame's passing offense was ranked 11th last year. Notre Dame is not going into the horseshoe, and they are not coming out with a win. I think they'll struggle to cover. I think the game will probably be right around 17. I think Ohio State's probably about two touchdowns better than the Irish. So, to our friend Brendan... Brendan Fulham, I'm sorry to tell you, I don't see Notre Dame winning this game. I told you you weren't going to like it. I told you you weren't going to like it. But say, look, sometimes having me, you know, pick against you is a good thing. Sometimes, more than likely, having me pick against you is a good thing. More often than not, I should say. So that pretty much does it for today. I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank my beautiful, lovely wife. For providing us with a sports flash at the beginning of the show. Excellent job. She killed it. We got a big show for you next week. We're working on a big guest. Keep you up up to date on that on our social media. Remember check us out. Lockedupsports.net is our website. Head on over there for any information you need regarding the show. Anything you need as far as Locked Up Sports go. We are also social media all over social media. Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, Locked Up Sports on Facebook, Locked Up Sports page on Facebook, we got a group going, it's all there, if you have Apple Podcasts, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review, Um, remember to subscribe on our website, when you go to the website, leave your email, we'll send you the newsletter, bonus content, some of that bonus content is good people, Got a good one this week I'm going to do. I'm going to try and do it. I usually put it out on Tuesday. Tell your friends about the show. Hopefully Brett is back next week. Feel better, Brett. And that pretty much does it. So we will talk to you next week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I'm Bob Walters. See ya.